Bows and TKOs, we are live. Episode 22 coming at you on this beautiful Friday afternoon in the valley on the hills of a nice Steelers Thursday night victory. They continue to add, uh, you know, wins in the win column. So, so I'm feeling good about it. It's ugly Steeler football. Interested to see how that season plays out. Went to game four of the World Series. First ever World Series experience. Although the Diamondbacks lost, they had a late rally. That was a bucket list thing that I never thought would be possible. And I'm excited I got to make that happen. So really cool sports week. Hyped to have UFC back this week. Uh, so we're going to break down or, or preview UFC Fight Night Sao Paulo. And just talk a little bit uh, um, about what else is happening in the MMA world. So let's jump right in. It's episode 22. I'm your host, Shane Gillette. We got Matt Schnell out of his fight uh, against Steve or against Alessandro, Alessandro Costa at UFC 295 in MSG next weekend. So insert Steve Ersig, Astro Boy. Uh, really excited to see him in the octagon. I'm sure we'll break down his fight next week. Uh, a fun flyweight showdown. We have Tatsuro Tyra, the young stud. Taking on Carlos Hernandez, December 9th, fight night Shanghai. So he gets to uh, fight in Asia, and, and it's going to be awesome to see. We also have young Rong Zhu taking on Shin Haraguchi on that card. So some good Asian fights booked up for UFC fight night Shanghai. will be awesome to see that event in Asia. Um, this weekend, the big news, especially with no fight, was Francis Ngannou, Tyson Fury. Tyson Fury won on the scorecards via unanimous decision. I know there's a lot of, you know, clickbait headlines out there that he got robbed, that Francis Ngannou got robbed. He actually won the fight. But in boxing scoring, uh, Francis definitely lost more rounds than Fury. Uh, uh, he didn't win as many rounds as Fury did. So I'm not surprised of the decision. I went to a sports bar and watched the fight. I didn't want to pay for it, especially after, you know, some of these uh, video blogger, um, I guess, BS, you know, uh, f boxing fights that have been going on, uh, especially with the Dennis KSI results and, and how those fights went down. I, I wasn't going to spend my hard-earned money on this, but I wanted to see what's going on because... As I mentioned, I really did think Francis had a shot because he has that knockout power. Over the course of 10 rounds, I thought he would gas out. Tyson Fury would win on the scorecards, potentially get a knockout just because, you know, he's one of the best uh, boxing heavyweights of all time. And we've never seen Francis Ngannou actually box. Um, he's working with Mike Tyson. He's had a year or a little less than a year to like really focus on this. So you would assume but we've seen a lot of guys that are in it just for the payday. Obviously, Ngannou not re-signing with the UFC, signing with the PFL. Lots of drama around those headlines. But it was a fun fight. Francis Ngannou did get the knockdown that we were all seeking, which made it more interesting. I believe that was round three. And then uh, both guys started getting tired out. Um, although Tyson did take some of the damage. Um, you know, if you looked at their photo post-fight, Francis looks pretty clean. Um, uh, Tyson Fury is pretty beaten up. Um, 
you, you wouldn't think this, but I thought Tyson looked a little bit fresher in the final rounds. You know, I, I also thought Ngannou in the final round should have went for broke. Um, and potentially you still the last round, you could steal the scorecards. He did not do that, but I'm sure, I'm sure the amount of strikes that he had, especially, you know, after round three, he was getting a little, little confident out there, probably a little overconfident and he's just throwing straight power shots, looking to connect and was whiffing hard. And, and that just, you know, if we're playing a video game, you have a stamina bar, that stamina bar loses a big chunk when you're just throwing with all you got. Um, and I, I think he was going to find the mark more and Tyson clearly, after the knockdowns, like okay, you know, change your game plan, stay out of reach, keep moving, uh, don't don't find yourself in that position, and um, you know, uh, he got hit with the left. He he didn't even get hit with the right. Got knocked down with the left, and Ganu did change stances a few a few times. But what a massively amazing performance by uh, Francis Ngannou. I believe this is going to earn him uh, more boxing fights if he wants. I know he's under contract with the PFL, so I'm not too sure what the Short term, there's rumors that Deontay Wilder wants to fight him in MMA and boxing. You know, Deontay Wilder's almost 40 years old. I'm not really interested to see him try to attempt an MMA fight. The boxing fight, you know, I'll sign up for that. Two power strikers, that can be intriguing. And Ngannou did just about as good as Deontay did. If, if you look at the fights besides Deontay, when he knocked down Tyson Fury, you thought it was a 10 count. You thought that guy's soul had left his body. And then he came up like the Undertaker. Um, so we'll see. Good win for Francis. You know, this is a one in a million opportunity. And, and he delivered. So he's going to have more opportunity. Most people in this situation will not deliver. And I know there was a massive debate um, of Ariel Hawani and Chel Sonnen. I think, you know, it's uh, independent contractor Ariel Hawani, ESPN, Chel Sonnen. I, I thought they were debating different issues. I understand what Chell's saying. Like, you cannot tell all the fighters, being an ex-fighter, he wants to be, you know, give the guidance that you should not do this. Francis is the only one that's hit on this so far. All right, no one else has gone and got wins and looked good and, and had future opportunities, especially when you could still fight at a high level. You know, he was the heavyweight champion. He could be taking the John Jones fight, et cetera, et cetera. And um, um, Ariel Hawani is like, well, he won his decision he got paid $10 million. They set up to $20 million. Um, You know, Chell is upset with the idea of $20 million. From what I've seen, I, I haven't seen any official numbers. Um, I was going to double check, but I know there's not. It was a $200,000 paper or 200,000 pay-per-views were purchased um, on ESPN, which is a terrible, terrible number. So definitely closer to the $10 million. He's guaranteed 10 He gets pay-per-view cut, not a huge cut there. So it's crazy that this performance such low on the pay-per-view numbers, but a lot of people probably felt like I did. A lot of these celebrity boxing, influencer boxing events just have not delivered and have been a total waste of time. Like literally give me more time back in my life after watching those. So, you know, that could, that could be part of it. I actually think the fight is more like Chell said, a little bit bigger post event uh, and more headlines, more things to talk about than it was coming into the fight, uh, which is very intriguing as well. But the Ariel Hawani, Chell Sonnen, you know, that was interesting. A little bit of drama. Everyone loves drama, I guess. You know, I, I really don't care for some of that stuff. Um, a lot of that's ratings clicks. Clearly, you know, with my my small amount of views thus far, um, I don't give a shit about that. I'm here to talk about MMA, talk about what makes sense, why, what you should invest your time in, what, what kind of headlines you should care about. Uh, not just UFC, a little bit in the 
MMA realm, but mostly focus on the UFC because this is the NFL, right? This is the, the best promotion. This is the top of the top. Uh, there's other things that are worth headlines a few times a, a year here and there. Um, but, uh, the UFC is going to be the focus because that's where I, I feel like if you're a fight fan, you're going to spend your time. That's where I spend my time. I've, I've talked about my fandom and how I've gotten to become a fighting fan, but, um, interesting beef. I think it was a little misinterpreted and, and Chell was protecting something that he didn't want to. It was funny seeing PG Chell actually get upset at Ariel wanting to strangle him and, and, and those things of those natures was, was, was great. Um, but we do have Tyson Fury, Alexander Usyk moved to February. I mean, he needs to get in better shape. I honestly do think Tyson looked a little bit less uh, as a little, little bit more worse out of shape than he usually is for these big fights. And, you know, he already had his probably one of the biggest fights of his career book next against Usyk, which is really the only great remaining heavyweight fight I care to, to see, to be honest. Um, so I'm sure he, he wants to get some more time, recover a little bit. He took some shots. Um, but we'll talk about that in February when it comes to time. Now, officially the PFL owns Bellator starting January, 2024. They are going to keep the brand separate for two years, uh, which I'm really interested to see what the opportunity is for fighters to break contracts, leave. Do you have to be a free agent? Um, you know, if you're going to be branded, can they just go to the PFL? Can the PFL pick a choose? Can they go to the UFC? That's all I really care about at this point. But interesting to see. And then Jorge Masvidal out here dropping bangers. He is going to have a bare knuckle um, fight card. I, I couldn't really find a lot of details on the full fight card. He showed an image of a, a bunch of fun ex-UFC fighters and bare knuckle, which bare knuckles delivered the Eddie Alvarez's, right? Obviously. Uh, Mike Perry, a lot of these dudes, um, Chad, uh, Chad Mendez, amazing fights, amazing performances. So, uh, we'll break that down next week as that'll be taking place on Friday. I believe free on YouTube as well, which is even better, but let's talk UFC fight night, Sao Paulo, no additional wins or losses on the record, but we stand at 107, 67 and one 22 episodes in with bows and TKOs. Uh, we have the prelims on ESPN Plus at 3 p.m. Pacific. I know that the fallback is happening for most of you. I live in Arizona, so we just stay pat. I go from Pacific time to mountain time, which is always interesting. And then the main card at 6 p.m. Pacific. Some good fights that we will not break down. We have Mark DeCasey. He's fighting uh, an LFA alum making his UFC debut. Always intrigued when Mark DeCasey steps in. David Onama is fighting Lucas Alexander. I'm excited to see David Onama in the octagon. And then Contender Series alum Daniel Marcus, Marcos will fight another Contender Series alum in Victor Hugo, who is making his UFC debut. And then Elves Brenner, we, we, we talked about that savage fight that he had. Contender Series alum Elves Brenner is taking on Esteban Robovics. So some solid Contender Series alums, Mark DeCasey in the prelims. We're going to kick this thing off in the prelims. We have Angela Overkill Hill, 38 years old with a 15 and 13 record and the number 12 next to her name, taking on Denise D. Gomes, 23 years old with an 8 and 2 record. It's crazy. Only, you know, these, these young girls coming in. She's 23, 8 and 2, facing Angela Hill, who's 15 years older. 28 professional fights. It's just women's MMA is, you know, I've talked about this many a times, just crazy. 
where it is today and the talent at such a young age that we're getting in the octagon. But when it comes to Angela, she's been one of the most active women UFC fighters since she came into the promotion. She is now in position um, where she fights up and coming fighters. She kind of has to defend her spot in the top 15 and, and, and put out a good performance to have an opportunity to shoot up the rankings. And now she's getting a, a hard hitting Gomes who is coming off two finishes and performances of the Knights, uh, which is a big deal in this division. So breaking it down, Angela trains out of Alliance MMA. She has a purple belt in BJJ. She has the most bouts in UFC women's straw weight division history with 22. She also has the most losses in women's history with 23. She has the longest fight time in UFC women's strawweight division history with over five hours and 18 minutes. Lots of records here. She has the most total strikes landed in the division, uh, 2016. The most significant strikes landed in the division at 1,735. She also has the most unanimous decision wins in the division with seven. And the most decision bouts in the division with 18. So... Right now, she is on a one-fight losing streak. She is 2-2 two two since 2022. Although 40s around the corner, she has not slowed down. She is an ultimate fighter and Invicta alum. Now, Denise, she's an, an Invicta and Contender Series alum. She is on a two-fight winning streak. She is 3-1 in the UFC, and six of her eight wins are via knockout. Now, Denise definitely has shown that she is going to be a capable striker. Uh, but she definitely needs to work on her grappling and her submission ability to be more of a well-rounded MMA fighter. She is only 23, so she has plenty of time to improve her game. I do not think she is going to be ready for what Angela is going to bring and her, her strengths. She, she's got great volume, although she's older. She, she comes at you. She wants to control the octagon. She has good speed in her strikes, and she has the ability to get the takedowns and, and have great top control. Now... She's about to be 39. She is definitely, though, although the you know almost 40, has looked reinvigorated. I felt like this past year was kind of a new chapter for her, and, and she could be a problem in this division still. She's defeated two up-and-comers recently in Emily Ducate and Lupita Godinez. No slouches in those women at all. And she also battled Mackenzie Dern of late, which was fight of the night. Uh, although it was a little lopsided, she hung in there. She showed she's willing to, to go into deep waters. And, uh, you know, have the determination to, to, to go where you need to in a fight. For that reason, I think uh, Denise Gomes here gets a little bit of a learning lesson. We're taking the underdog. Angela's coming to eat. <laughs> I'm taking Overkill Hill. I am putting her on that parlay. We marking that ish down and we getting that bread. If you want to earn a spot in the UFC Top division women, you got to go through Angela Hill, Ducate, Lupita couldn't do it. Lupi, can Gomes do it? Moving on, we have Victor Merciless Petrino, the 26-year-old fighter with a undefeated 9-0 record, taking on Modestus, the Baltic Gladiator Bukaskis, 29-9 or 29 years old with a 15-5 record. Now. Honestly, this is a really fun fight between two very talented light heavyweight fighters. They've been showcasing their abilities and are looking to climb into the top 15 as they enter their primes. 
Now, Vitor, Vitor is obviously undefeated on that nine-fight winning streak. Three of them are in the UFC. He is a Contender Series alum, and six of his nine wins are via knockout. Now, Modestus is a Cage Warriors alum and former champ. He is on a four-fight winning streak. He's 3-3 three and three in the UFC. He has gone back and forth from Cage Warriors, came to the UFC, back to Cage Warriors. I doubt that was his choice. Now, back to the UFC. Nine of his 15 wins are via knockout, and three of his five losses are also via knockout. So to knock out or to be knocked out. Now, Vitor has shown that he is going to be a problem in this division, but he ha doesn't have a ton of experience and really has not been pushed uh, by well-rounded fighters. Usually they're good at one, one spot or another. And um, he, he's typically used to just strikers looking for a knockout. I think Modestus is going to have a better game plan and is, is more experienced. Uh, I think that's going to help lead him to victory. He is definitely going to have to keep out of Vitor's range. Uh, Vitor has some serious, serious power in his hands. And you have to look to make the fight dirty. Get it up against the cage. Avoid the big shots. Keep things moving. And look for your openings. I'm going with another underdog here. I'm taking Modestus, just the experience, the learning lessons that I think are ready there for uh, Vitor. He is a problem, but I am taking the underdog, the Baltic Gladiator. I'm avoiding this on a parlay if possible, though. Not that confident. And then we have Renat, the Gladiator, Fakaradinov, 32 years old with a 21-1 record, taking on Elizao Zaleski, Capoeira Dos Santos, 36 years old with a 24 and 7 record. Now, this is an awesome fight, man. We get a fight between two longtime UFC or uh, between a longtime UFC veteran and Elizo. Um, and he's looking to continue his momentum. He's got a little bit of momentum. He had a, a stop with that USADA suspension for Osterine. And now he's taking on a guy who's in his prime has completely dominated his UFC competition this far. So breaking it down, Renat has a combat sambo style. He is a master of sport and combat sambo, combat sambo. He is an orthodox fighter. He trains out of American top team. He is an Eagles FC alum. He is on a 20-fight winning streak, 3-0 in the UFC. 11 of his 21 wins are via knockout. Six via submission, so 17 of his 21 wins via finish. Elizao, he has a Muay Thai BJJ and up to his nickname, a Capoeira style. He's got a black belt in BJJ. He's a Jungle Fight alum and former champion. And 14 of his 24 wins are via knockout. He's on a two-fight winning streak and the only fights he's had since 2020 due to the suspension. So Elizao definitely hasn't had a, uh, a finish since 2019, which was against Li Jingliang, which is a very impressive finish. But he, has gone, he hasn't gone to the scorecards lately. I don't think he's going to be able to hang with Renat over the course of three rounds if he makes it that far. Renat's definitely more of a technical striker. I think he's more well-rounded. And there is a chance Elizao is able to get a takedown, find a submission, of course land a big shot of his own, but I'm not betting on that. I think uh, Renat shows that he's uh, the better MMA fighter. I'm taking the gladiator. We're putting him on that parlay. We marking that ish down, and we getting that bread.
And in the main card, we got Ismail Maretta Bonfim, 27 years old with a 19-4 and record, taking on Vince from Hell Pichel, 40 years old with a 14-3 and record. Now, this is a fun fight. We get an opportunity to see Ismail show off, see what he's really capable of against a veteran who isn't easy to finish. He's definitely durable and is willing to make it a scrap. So breaking it down, Ismail is on a one-fight losing streak. He is 2-1 in the UFC. He's a jungle fight, LFA, and contender series alum. Nine of his 19 wins are via knockout, and all four of his losses are via submission. Now, Vince is an orthodox fighter. He trains out of Factory X. He has a blue belt in BJJ. He's an Ultimate Fighter alum. He's on a one-fight losing streak, but is 2-1 since 2020. Eight of his 14 wins are via knockout. And he does have a 5.5-inch leg reach advantage. It's funny when, you know, either the legs or the arms are that much longer, but the other half isn't. So Vince definitely hasn't been super active. He's had an up-and-down UFC career. He's 40 years old. But he lives off durability and just his fighting instincts. I think that Ismail is going to be more of a technical fighter as well. And although he is still young, he has a ton of pro experience. He, he's fought some really good competition and other promotions. And I could see Bonfim getting takedowns, top control, potentially get a submission here. For that reason, I am taking Ismail Maretta Bonfim. We putting him on that parlay. We marking that ish down and we getting that bread. The odds are pretty, pretty heavy on some of these. Like Ismail, definitely pretty good favorite. Moving on, we have Armin Superman Petrosian, 36 years old, with a 9-2 record, taking on Rodolfo the Black Belt Hunter Vieta, 34 years old with a 9-2 record. Now, this is a fun Clash of Styles affair. You know, Armin definitely is relatively new to the UFC. He's trying to climb the depths of that middleweight division, while Rodolfo is looking to keep his UFC career alive at four, 34 years old. So Armin, he's on a two-fight winning streak. He is a contender series alum, and six of his nine wins are via knockout. Now Rodolfo, he has a BJJ style. He's got a black belt in BJJ, and he has an amazing grappling resume. He won gold in the 2015 ADCC Worlds. I usually don't break down the countries because you could go to your own country circuit win a gold, but the Worlds is the real deal. In 2011, 12, 13, and 14, he was the world champ for IBJJF. Two of his last three fights have been performance of the night, so he's been, been putting on some shows. He's on a one-fight winning streak, but is 2-2 two two since 2021, so not super active. And as you'd expect, eight of his nine wins are via submission. Now, I think it's simple to say that Armin is going to be the better striker everywhere, and Rodolfo is going to have a simple game plan, get the takedown early and often, look for a submission. And Armin's only UFC loss was against a very good grappler in Kyle Baraglio. He struggled, but he has to be prepared for what Rodolfo is going to bring I think he will. He's going to have enough of an MMA takedown, separate the hands. I'm taking Armin Superman Petrosian. We're putting him on that parlay. We marking that ish down, and we getting that bread.
Moving on. Speaking of the devil, we have Kyle, the natural Braulio. 30 years old with a 14-1 record, taking on Abus Magomedov. 33 years old with a 25-5-1 record. Now, this is a fight of two very well-rounded fighters in their primes. Kayao is going to have, you know, he's rolling. He's going to have a lot of confidence and momentum. And Abus is looking to get back on track after suffering his first UFC loss against the new champion, Sean Strickland. Now, Kayao is fighting out of the fighting nerds. He is on a 13-fight winning streak and is 5-0 in the UFC. And he is a Contender Series two-time alum. If memory serves me right, the first time he grappled to victory, Dana didn't like it, came back, got a finish. Now, Abus, he's on a one-fight losing streak and is 1-1 and in the UFC. He is a PFL alum, and 14 of his 25 wins are via knockout, 6 via submission, so 20 of his 25 wins via finish. And he does have a 3-inch reach advantage. Now, I think Baraglio is going to be relentless with his pressure right out the gate. He's going to control the center of the octagon, and I'm sure he's going to be looking for takedowns. It's really going to be interesting to see who is the better striker. Um, obviously, Kaihau's lived off his grappling. He's improving in the striking with his team. Abus has more experience in this department, but I do think Baraglio is a better all-around fighter. This is going to be a great bout, but I'm taking Baraglio. I'm putting him on that parlay. We marking that ish down, and we getting that bread. And as I say that, though, you have to be wary. You know, Abus, he's got a name Mega Medov. That's always scary in the first place, in his prime. But coming to the UFC, fighting now a, a, a champion in Strickland, going 0-1 in the UFC, you cannot go 0-2. A little desperation could be... You know, the, the pressure of getting that first UFC victory to keep your, your, your spot on the roster is huge. But moving on, we have Rodrigo Yogi Bear Nascimento. 30 years old with a 10-1 record and the number 15 next to his name. Taking on Dantel Lord Kong Mays. 30 year, 31 years old with a 10-5 record. These are two heavyweights that are eager to stack up wins while they're in their prime. Nascimento 30, um, Dantel Mays 31. That's really the, the entrance of your prime. 30 to 35 in the UFC is definitely a good prime window for most, especially because it takes so many years to get into the UFC. We're starting to see younger talent break the roster earlier, especially in the women's side. But a lot of guys don't get in until 27 or later anyways. Now, both these guys, they're heavyweights. They're hard hitters, but they do have a, a good mix of grappling, especially Yogi Bear. But breaking it down, Rodrigo trains out of American Top Team. He has a purple belt in BJJ. He is on a two-fight winning streak and is 2-1. and one, Or no, excuse me. He did have a no contest in there, though, after testing for Ritalinic Acid. Not sure what that is, but he, he had the, uh, the outcome... Changed to a no contest. He is a contender series alum, and six of his 10 wins are via submission. Now, Mays trains out of Jackson Wink MMA. He is on a one-fight winning streak and is 2-1 since 2021. So it, uh, you know, hasn't been super active. He has actually fought Rodrigo before Rodrigo got that victory. 
And what I always say about opponents that have fought each other, usually when you go to combat, jiu-jitsu, grappling, fighting, boxing, whatever it is, you know who the better man is, especially when you've performed where, where a winner loss is on the line. So it'll be interesting, the mental battle. It's been a few years. See who's had the improvement. But Mays, he's also an LFA, RFA, and Contender Series two-time alum. And as a heavyweight typically does, six of his ten wins are via knockout. Now, I do think Rodrigo is going to try to get Mays down early and often. He's shown a weakness there. Both have serious power, so both could just look to, to strike and get a finish. I'm betting that um, Rodrigo's winning that mental battle. I think he's more of a technical striker, plus has the grappling advantage. So I'm taking Nascimento. I am putting him on that parlay. We marking that ish down, and we getting that bread. Moving on to the co-main event. We get the brother, Gabriel Marantina Bonfim. He's 26 years old, undefeated with a 15-0 record, taking on Nicholas the Danish Dynamite Dalby. He's 38 years old with a 22-4-1 record. Now, what a fight we get here. I mean, this is fight of the night potential on it. This is our chance to really see what Gabriel is capable of because he has dominated his opponents this far. And Nicholas is a savvy veteran who is fighting at the best of his game at 38 years old. So I think he's going to make him go past for the round one, which Gabriel hasn't done often. And he's not just going to be able to go get a guillotine um, or, or a quick takedown and finish. He's going to have to battle and strike with the very durable Danish Dynamite and Nicholas Dalby. But breaking it down, Gabriel is on a 15-fight winning streak, although three of them are in the UFC. 12 of his 15 wins are via submission. He is an LFA and Contender Series alum. Now, Dalby is an orthodox fighter. He has a green belt in Ashihara Karate. He's a brown belt in BJJ. I can't say karate, karate. I've done karate, kempo karate. Um, you know, did it for a lot of years. I, I understand the, the art. I just, you know, karate. That's just how you got to say it. <laughs> That's just how I, how I roll. He is a Cage Warriors alum and former champion. I think I said this, but Brown Belt and BJJ. And he's on a three-fight winning streak of his own. Now, I actually saw this live in Salt Lake City. But Gabriel just fought Trevin Giles, who was the stiffest competition thus far, and I thought would give us a better glimpse into what Gabriel can do because I haven't watched his non-UFC fights. Um, but like the other fights, he, he barely had to throw any strikes. He got a guillotine finish. That guillotine's nasty. And Nicholas has grappling ability, but he does a lot better as a striker. He's coming off a very nice win against another good strike striker and Muslim Salikov. And I think it's going to be fun to see how Gabriel does if he is pushed through round one into you know deep in round two or three. He trains with a ton of studs. I'm sure he will show out, but this is going to be the great test. I want to see him pass round one, and I want to see him strike a little bit and see what he can do. I am going to take the heavily favored Gabriel Bonfim, but I don't like it as good as the Vegas odds. I'm avoiding this on a parlay if possible. Watch out for the underdog. Some good underdogs here, man. Not even in the main event yet, but you got Angela Hill. Pretty confident. I, I was surprised. I mean, I get why she's the underdog. 
Again, another big measuring stick for, for Vitor Petrino. I like Modestus a lot, taking the underdog there. The, the Renat fight could go either way. Good underdog potential. And then, yeah, the, the Baraglio fight could go either way. Probably not the Rodrigo fight. And then this Gabriel fight. So some fun underdog bets potential for you guys to win some bread. And as I, like I said, as I really get this thing going to where I need it to be, you know, I have a full-time job. This is my, my side hustle. I've done it every single week for, let's see, it's November, almost three years now. I believe January will be year three. Every single week, telling you guys I know what I'm talking about. That's why I've been doing it, putting the film out there. And, uh... I, I really want to do like a uh, some sort of a chat telegram with my picks, my bets, talk about the odds, you know, get the fans included. We could have a little chat room. I'm, I'm not too sure what we're going to do there yet, but, but two, you know, lots of good things coming. Although been here, done that for a while. I'm looking to add to the game. It, it's not easy for me just to go stop my full-time job, make a bunch of changes. But if you have ideas of what you would like me to talk about or what you'd like me to be involved in, um, you know, what kind of things I could do to make the show better for you guys that tune in every week, please let me know. Open to, to ideas. Hit me up on social medias. Email me. It don't matter. I'm more than open to it and love to hear what you guys have to say. Enough of that ish, though. Let's talk about the main event. Um, the You know, we, we, we just talked about underdogs, but fucking Brazil can show out. They could clean sweep the card, right? They got a lot of Brazilians on this fight. Vitor Petrino. Um, they got Bonfim. They got Rodolfo. Baraglio. Nascimento. Bonfim. And Almeida. So it'll be fun to see how the, the home home country fighters do. But I cannot wait to see what this guy does. We got Jialton, Malhadinho, Almeida, 32 years old with a 19 and 2 record and the number 9 next to his name. Taking on the one, the only knockout leader in the UFC, Derek, the Black Beast Lewis. 38 years old with a 27 and 11 record and the number 10 next to his name. Again, a lot like the Bonfim fight, the Gabriel one. Let's see what Almeida could do with the striker. You know, let's see what he could do at the upper echelon of the division. He hasn't really got there yet. Hasn't fought in the top 10. And, and Derek Lewis is on a career resurgence of his own at 38. He's lost a ton of weight. Seems like he's taking this more seriously. You know, he's the knockout leader. I saw him in Utah. Shot, I thought he shocked the world. You know, I'm not uh, like... I feel like it's 50-50 chance he could win. I picked the other guy. But 33 seconds in, flying knee knockout that, like, messed up that guy's teeth for a long time. Um, you know, he, he he can look to build on that knockout record and find that opportunity. He He's fought really good grapplers and has found the opening for knockouts. He knocked out Curtis Blades as well. So so it's, it's going to be fun. Um, unless Gileton just gets a quick takedown and lays on him for five rounds. Um, but Jaelton, he has a BJJ style. He's an orthodox fighter. He's got a black belt in BJJ. His last three fights have been performance of the night. Good finishes. He's a contender series alum. 
and he usually finishes via submission, not knockout as a heavyweight. 12 of his 19 wins are via submission. He's on a 14-fight winning streak, six of them in the UFC. He is on a roll. Now, Derek, he's got a purple belt in BJJ. Right? He trains it. He's not, you know, he's not no white belt. He has the most knockouts in UFC history with 14 of them things. The most finishes in heavyweight history with 14. He had the 2018 comeback of the year against Alexander Volkov. He's a Bellator, an RFA alum. He's also an alum of Legacy FC where he was a former champ. 22 of his 27 wins are via knockout. Seven of his 11 losses are also via knockout. So to knock out or to be knocked out. It's heavyweight life. Now he's on a one-fight winning streak and is three and four since 2021. So again, a little mixed bag, but it seems like he's reinvigorated. Again, lost some weight. This, this should be a dandy. As we know, Derek is a problem for most heavyweights. He's fought his fair share of grappling heavy heavyweights. He's had mixed results. But not only is he fighting a grappling heavy heavyweight here, he is fighting a man who is well-rounded with some serious power in his hands as well. Probably one of the better in-shape heavyweights. He's fighting in front of his home country. He's rolling with confidence in his prime. I just believe Jayelton is going to be able to get the takedown when he wants. I love Lewis, but you get the takedowns, you could tire him out, get the submission victory, and move on with your life. If Derek's going to be able to deny Almeida, it will definitely be with creativity like knees up the middle, closing the distance, you know, keeping a good jab or kicks um, to, to, to take that lead leg away and keep Gialton from moving forward. I'm not betting on that, though. Almeida is the real deal. He's a Vegas favorite for a reason. I am taking Gialton. I am putting him on that parlay. We're marking that ish down, and we getting that bread. But again, I bet against the Black Beast last time, and he shoved it in my face. But what's next? Next week, really excited. A very fun and deep UFC 295 card in MSG. This is headlined by Yuri Prashaka and Alex Pereira for the in, or for the interim light or no, this is a regular light heavyweight title, I believe. Um, and then we have the interim heavyweight title on the line. No John Jones, no Stipe. That's okay. We got Sergey Pavlovich squaring up with Tom Aspinall. That's episode 22. I'm your host, Shane Gillette. Uh, talk MMA with you guys next week.